Hi everybody, Matt Rock here from the Maker Studio here at London Christian High in beautiful London, Ontario. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast. It is a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are overjoyed to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. If you recall, it was a while back, but our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada was in Victoria, British Columbia, and we are with Laura Rand. Here's what we learned. We learned part two of Darren's Smarty McFlurry love story in high school. If you caught part one, the episode before, you'll want to tune in just for that. We learned that Pacific Christian School takes territory acknowledgement seriously by including it directly on their homepage. We learned where the band 5440 got the inspiration for their name. We learned how being a ranger is exactly the Christian role that Laura wants to embody with her grade one students, especially after she was labeled as being in a bad class growing up. We learned that tree planting just might be the ideal job training for designing a natural primary classroom. We learned that dyslexia and reading requires personalized care and support. And last of all, we learned why Laura describes her first ever class as, we were wild, we were nuts, we were happy, and I loved it. So it was a pleasure visiting with Laura and talking about her educator story. So go have a listen. But today, we're grateful you've joined us in London, Ontario, and we're going to refer to ourselves as a herd. Matt, a Londoner herd? A Londoner? Is that correct? L- Londoner. Londoner. Okay. Hey, I think that's two in a row. Londoner herd. To get to know our Londoner herd, we're going to start our podcast off with the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Smarty McFlurry, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Herd. Hey, Hey, Darren. Darren, our prompt for today is, what is a project you've started but haven't finished? Well, as we've heard in previous seasons and episodes, is I'm anti-lawn. And I have a boulevard that still is in lawn because I have not pulled the trigger on the space between the sidewalk and the street, which I've done my research to find out I am just in charge to maintain, but I have not removed all of my lawn. Therefore, I still have a lawnmower. So that's a project I haven't finished. Is that, is that, uh, do we have goals? Do we want to give the podcast listeners a, a goal for accountability? No. Okay. (laughs) All right. From advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who has a fish tattooed on his shoulder, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, Oh, Canada. Canada. Justin, what's a project you've started but haven't finished? During COVID, my son and I, more my son, was very excited for us to build a, a waterfall, trying to keep up with Darren Speaksma's landscaping ideals. So oh, yeah. we we wanted to build a waterfall in our backyard, and we did. And I got a, a, a super powerful pump. That thing was pumping water through the waterfall. We were so excited, except it was losing water probably like, I don't know, a gallon an hour or something like that. So we were 
it, the design was clearly flawed. So I, I broke it all down. We redesigned it. I got the water flowing back in the waterfall. It's looking awesome. Just need to add some plants and maybe one of those fish off my back just to kind of do the full, you know, picture of it. <laughs> waterfall. It's coming. Almost done. Is this in your watering hole? Like your, your neighborhood watering hole that's attracting all these animals? Oh yeah. Did I talk about my pond already on the podcast? Not, not a waterfall. Yeah, now it's got a waterfall. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Look at all the Water, updates we're getting. Waterfall now. Yep. And as we heard off the top, we are honored to welcome virtually into London Christian High by Matt Rock. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Matt. Thank you for being with us. So uh, what is a project that maybe you've started and have not finished? Well, I've been working on a cedar strip canoe now for about six years. And I'm not confident when I'm done it, it's actually even going to float. <laughs> I so have you ever watched the show Alone? Absolutely, I love it. Okay, I am imagining that process, you know, and that, like that that's that seems like months and years of work. It's a lot of work, um, especially when you do it with a bunch of students. Um, so oh. yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be beautiful from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt. I little inside uh, comment here. Quinny Christian High, is uh, they make a, a strip canoe every year, I think. Are you connected with Paul at Quinny? At Absolutely. All yeah. Paul was my inspiration. He said, you got to do a cedar strip, cedar strip canoe. And hey, it's been six years. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Three graduating classes later. <laughs> they, they can't tackle me so bad when they come in and they're like, what's that half-finished canoe up there? So. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I think for a project for myself, I, I actually created a board game a few years back because I can't create anything uh, like construction-wise. So uh, it is in cardboard form. Um, my kids play it. So it's functional, but it definitely could use like an upgrade into actual, you know, it's got like games pieces from multiple games around the house pulled into one. Um, but I'll have to bring it along sometime, boys. We'll have to try out, uh, try out this game. I don't, I don't even have a real name for it. So that also need that's also an issue. Um, but Graham, I think, has played it before, uh, potentially. He's nodding his head in the background, so... Uh, yeah, so that's a project I've started but haven't finished. For the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with AIM. Last time we shared some embarrassing memories in a shame segment, but today Matt has chosen the segment. Oh, Matt, I don't think we warned you. You got to do a drum roll. Can you do a drum roll? Without <laughs> fame. Nice. Very nice. Woo! All right, so fame this is the first time we've done this segment. And so we're going to say that it's something you would be known for at your school or organization. Darren, maybe you can kick us off. What would you be known for at your school or organization? Beyond my amazing good looks Great. and spectacular skill, <laughs> I would say the thing I am known for the most would be finding great places to eat. And I've got a few criteria because when you travel as much as we do, 
it's nice to try and kind of choose one meal a day that uh, is sort of a break where you're enjoying something. And I'm a fan of local and farm to table. And so I have a few criteria and we're at the stage now where anyone is traveling in BC and they're on the road. I will often get texts late in an afternoon that says, oh, I'm in this city. Where should I go to dinner? So that's what I would be known for uh, within our organization. Do you have those memorized, Darren? Like if I said Smithers, BC, my hometown, would you have a spot in Smithers? Um, I like the Mexican uh, in the old train station. Wow. Um, that would be sort of my go-to, but a lot of people, if they're not in the mood for Mexican. Um, and then if I'm in Smithers, I'm drinking coffee at Bugwood, um, either at the coffee lab or else downtown. Look at him doubling down with the restaurant and guy. the coffee shop. <laughs> nice. Matt, uh, something you would be known for at your school. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a good thing, but I'm known as the Friday cheer guy. And so, Ooh. yeah, I, I was having a conversation with a colleague a few years back and they said, uh, we we're talking about how a teacher can transfer their energy to the classroom. And so I went in like Monday, no, this was Friday morning. So Friday morning, just ready to go. And I had this vision in my mind that I would run in and I'd go, it's Friday. And everyone would just like erupt in cheers. So I ran in and I'm like, it's Friday. And everyone's like, what is with this guy? And so I'm determined though, if you know that about me, I'm very determined. So I tried this week after week and it has blossomed into the most magical thing (laughs) on Friday. Now, when I'm walking in the building, students will say, Hey, Mr. Rock, it's Friday. And I'll run in and I'll go, it's Friday. And they'll all go, it's Friday. So it's this amazing celebration. I am concerned that their parents think that I just teach for the Mm -hmm. weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, there's something, uh, uh, so important and so valuable about that. So uh, I love the, the determination. This, uh, we're getting the, the canoe story carried over into, uh, I'm already learning more about you, Justin, something you known for at your organization or maybe in your past life as in a school. Well, I, as uh, with the movement from OECS to advance, we host the, uh, provincial conference now every October and, uh, for far too many years now, I've been the MC for that conference. And uh, without fail, especially when they are remote and I was on TV, uh, I would get texts pretty regularly throughout the day, people mocking me about my failure as an MC. And my favorite, this is a shout out to Kevin Bowers. He sent me a meme, uh, a, a, a gif of, from um, Talladega Nights where uh, Ricky Bobby's being interviewed and he says, I don't know what to do with my hands. And it's just kind of like <laughs> while he's being interviewed, his hands are kind of, and I, I just, I, I, in one of our breaks during the day, I just erupted because I knew that was exactly my problem. I was as stilted as I could be. So I'm, I'm known for being a really bad MC. I think. <laughs> but you keep, you're good enough to keep getting asked back. Well, no one else wants to do it, but yeah, no, I'm going to pass it off. I, I think maybe Matt Rock is going to be our MC for uh, the next October conference. <laughs> I'm in, man. I'm in. Yes. Yeah. Is it on? Is it on a Friday? Yeah, I'm. That's my best. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm only a Friday guy. So he's only a Friday guy. It's Friday. <laughs> I do my best I, teaching on Fridays. Yeah. Matt, I know it's Thursday, but let's just act like it's Friday, and yeah, people absolutely. will be confused. It'll be awesome. Bring it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this is, I'm a, I have a theme today, I guess, uh, my not 
finished project was about a, a game I've created. And I was known uh, and still, I guess, known for I bring games. When I go to a you know teacher convention, I brought a duffel bag for clothes and all my supplies. And then I brought a suitcase full of board games. Um, and just, just in case someone's like, hey, we should play a game tonight. And oftentimes the suitcase would never get opened and yeah, I'd pout about it a bit on my own. But every once in a while, someone would say, hey, we should play board games. And I'd be like, let's do this. I've got about 17 in my suitcase. So I'd be known for <laughs> be the game guy. Jeremy, uh, for your upcoming trip to Ontario, what game are you going to bring? Oh, what do you want? What are you looking for? You know, <laughs> are we are we playing the the live version of uh, uh, which one was our favorite? Ticket to Ride? Do we you know? Do we do some of oh, that? Nice. Some some Dixit is a, a great new game that I would highly recommend. And uh, Wingspan's another fantastic one. So any hey, okay, we can go a bunch nice. of different directions. <laughs> Listeners, we would love for you to tell us something you're known for at your school. So tweet us at every square centimeter or message us on Instagram. We're going to transition now from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit more about Canada and we celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor. My name is Judy Vanderwin. I teach at Calvin Christian School in Hamilton, Ontario. When our grade two classes study our community each year, we encourage them to learn about their own city, but also to look at the broader community, even beyond Canada. We want them to recognize that God's people are found around the world. So we invited Edudeo to do a class presentation with a focus on Christmas celebrations in their partner countries. We also co-created a fabulous hands-on learning opportunity where students could explore and even experience different cultural traditions in Zambia and the Dominican Republic. This opportunity really enhanced our students' learning and allowed them to see and enjoy the wonderful diversity God has created in the people of his world. If you're interested in inviting Edudeo to bring a global perspective into your class, Contact Lori Coney by emailing schools at edudeo.com. As we heard off the top, Matt teaches at London Christian High in London, Ontario, Canada. Justin, tell us a little bit about London. Well, fellas, London is located on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, Haudenosaunee, Lunapiwuk, and the Ottawanderan. There are a number of treaties that are specific to the area. The two-row Wampum Belt Treaty of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and Silver Covenant Chain the Beaver Hunting Grounds of the Haudenosaunee and Nanfan Treaty of 1701, the McKee Treaty of 1790, the London Township Treaty of 1796, the Huron Tract Treaty of 1827 with the Anishinaabek and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum of the Anishinaabek and the Haudenosaunee. There are three Indigenous nations that are neighbors to London, the Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and the Muncie Delaware Nation, who all continue to live as sovereign nations with individual and unique languages, cultures, and customs. How did London arise as a city on these lands? Well, it's a river city, and a native village has existed at the fork of what was known as the Anuskasippi River, or Antlered River in English, for over 10,000 years. 10,000 years people have settled at the forks of the Eskinusippi. The site of London was proposed by Lieutenant Governor John Graves Simcoe as the site of the capital of Upper Canada in 1793. And he renamed the river the Thames and the settlement as London. 
There was debate about this location uh, for the capital of Upper Canada, however, as the hardwood forests were so dense, it seemed nearly impossible to get to. And the river was mostly non-navigable with an average depth of four feet. Now much of those hardwood forests are gone and farms are in their place. So for thousands of years, the river was known as the Escunisipi. And only in the most recent few hundred years did some Brits decide to call it the Thames. But here we are. Got some interesting facts about London. I think you're going to like these. Matt, I'm wondering uh, how many of these are familiar to you. We'll see. In 1881, phone poles were installed on London streets, but they caused such an outcry, folks threatened to chop them down with axes. Nice. Be fun to watch. Today, London's known as the Forest City. In the Coves neighborhood, there are both the Black Walnut Forest and the Hackberry Forest. There's also a tree trunk tour of carved trunks, as well as over 50 metal tree sculptures in downtown London. Anyone want to guess how many Tim Hortons in London? I'm going 16. Uh, oh, no. It looked like he was right. 25. I'll go in the middle at 20. 66, guys. Oh. 66 Tim Hortons as opposed to 21 Starbucks for the coffee snobs like me out there. 66 Timmy's ranks London ninth in Canada, three Tim Hortons behind Montreal. Wow. I want to know who wins the per capita. That's a good question because, yeah, it's like Toronto's number one, but of course it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. We got a fact. I'll see what I can find out for you, Darren. One more uh, interesting fact. There is a certain person named Jolene Van Voogt who hails from London. You all might know her, though, as the Porcelain Princess. Why? She has set the land speed record for a motorized, motorized toilet back in 2012. She reached a blistering 46.6 miles per hour average speed over a 100 meter distance in both directions just to make sure it's legit. Wow. The Porcelain Princess of London, Ontario. Matt, have you ever ridden a motorized toilet? No, I haven't. But your first fact uh, doesn't surprise me because I come from a long line of phone pole haters. So, (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what's what's one of your favorite things about uh, the area? Well, I thought you were going to say that this is the home of Sir uh, Frederick Banting, who invented insulin. So that's what I thought you were going to say. I think that's pretty cool. It is cool. And he was on the list for sure. I've just done my own research because I was impatient. And it turns out that Moncton is the city that retains its position as having the most Tim Hortons per capita. So that's the answer to that question for all you factoids out there. Got to get the podcast out to the east. Matt, curious how you uh, maybe ended up in the area. Um, born and raised in the area, uh, moved away for a little bit of time, and then I ended up back in London for work, and then eventually ended up teaching in London. I, uh, I think when we were planning for this, uh, you or in between, you talked about the fact you actually don't live in London. So maybe where do you where do you live? Yeah, so I live in St. Thomas, and some people uh, know St. Thomas as the rail city, which is about twenty minutes away, and it is also the home to the tragic event of Jumbo the Elephant getting hit by a locomotive and killed. Oh, that is uh, a story that we 
that's something we, you can't just leave us with that, Matt. Like you just, uh, you've got to well, be there's two, two tales to the story. If you, uh, the first one is Jumbo just wasn't all that bright and stumbled out on the tracks. <laughs> okay. The second one is a baby elephant came, went onto mm. the tracks and Jumbo yeah. heroically oh, yeah. went yes. out to save the elephant and yeah. got killed. So yes. Jumbo. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. second one's definitely the better story. Uh, yeah. Matt, talk to me a little bit about about your school, London Christian High. So yeah, London Christian High is a, a pretty special place. It's 57 years old. Um, there's about 220 students. We are a volleyball school, um, and uh, the teachers there love their students, and we have a real um, desire for uh, progressive education and reaching our community. Something else that's really interesting about it is we have a number of feeder schools. So we have kids that are on a bus for over an hour and a half, one Whoa. way just to get to school in the morning. That's commitment. Matt, when you, you need to talk about the word uh, progressive school, May, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that? Sure. So um, we, uh, a few years ago, really kind of got on the project-based uh, learning bandwagon along with uh, many Christian schools um, and COVID uh, kind of hit the brakes on that a little bit, but we are kind of moving in a direction where we're working on something called high impact projects, which is something I'm sure we're going to talk about. And it is an exciting, unbelievable pr- uh, type of education that has far reaching value for schools and community. Matt, why are you passionate about high impact projects? Tell, just go ahead and keep telling us about that. Yeah, so high-impact projects tend to be projects that have real-world meaning. They have multiple people that invest in them. So it's beyond just the traditional scope of teacher and student and community. It has industry experts involved in it. It has um, a recipient on the other end. And it is unbelievable. It's life-changing I've had the opportunity to do uh, two or three of them, and we have a really exciting one coming up as well. Um, so I'm I'm convinced that this is um, the new way of of Christian schools standing out and setting a standard of excellence that leaves all the other types of schools far far behind. It's unbelievable, Matt. As as uh we, as we elaborate maybe on that, uh, it sounds like that's a kind of a, maybe a school story as well. Is there maybe something unique about your own classroom and your own style that you could tell us about uh, before we maybe jump into uh, these high impact projects? Sure. So something that's pretty unique about um, my classroom is it has um, a high emphasis on creative thinking. It also Something that I like to always promise my students is I will try my best to never teach you something that doesn't actually apply in the real world. Hmm. So we use what's called the design process, which funnels uh, most of my curriculum through that. And it's amazing because students come in and they don't feel like I'm teaching them something just for the sake of it. But it has a really um, amazing impact on them knowing that what they're teaching what they're learning is actually useful in the real world. Matt, at the, at the opening, you, you invited us into your classroom and you called it, was it, did I get it right that you called it a makerspace or how, how did you, what, what label do you use to describe your classroom and, and why do you use that label? Yeah, so we call it the maker studio and we realized if we were going to do work 
outside the school walls that just to call it London Christian High wasn't enough. We needed to actually brand ourselves. And so we've branded ourselves as the Maker Studio. And what's really awesome about that is students get on board when they feel like they're part of something special, that it's done well and the quality is high. And so that's what the branding really does. And then the students, of course, are part of that uh, whenever we produce something. No, it's great. I I hear underneath your passion, sort of this this invitation you're you're inviting students into. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the story that you're inviting students into, both in your class and also it sounds like as a school. What sort of story is the school or your class inviting uh, inviting students into? Well, I think I've my. Overall, uh, the last nine years or so, I think I've had something really in the forefront of my mind, what I want my students to walk away from. And so we call it the technical arts program. Students tend to come in there and they feel like uh, school might not particularly be for them. But what's kind of amazing about this, I don't really have to invite them into it because when they get a taste of making and designing and building and realizing, hey, what I'm doing is one of the closest forms to reflecting God as the ultimate designer and maker. I don't need to invite them into it. It's contagious. And so I always throw out a little bit of a warning sign to my students. I say, hey, if this gets a hold of you, it's not just going to be in your blood for a week or a month. Get ready for a lifetime of being just crazy obsessed with designing and making. And when you throw that last piece in, that what you design and make has the ability to transform someone else's life, I don't need to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about one of those transformations? Like you're transforming someone's life. Can we we jump straight there? Sure. So I'll talk about probably my favorite project that we've done. And this actually was a high impact project. It wasn't the first one that actually started me thinking about projects of this scale. We uh, started a new program at school called the design block. And the design block was two credits put together for grade 12 students. It was a cap of 10 students. And so I met with our VP, Jackie Dealman, and she sat me down and she said, hey, Matt, Here's my expectation for the course. I want your course to be the reason students get up in the morning. And I was like, wow, thanks. No pressure. (laughs) Um, And I had had an idea from from a project I had done before, um, just the impact on doing real world stuff. And so I thought to myself, well, let's go big here. So at the time, refugee housing was a real issue in in um, in Europe. And so I thought about this concept of taking a, a shipping container and turning it into refugee housing. I contacted the UN and really they kind of just brushed me off and weren't interested. And then through a few conversations, we thought, man, wouldn't it be so rich if we could come up with something that benefits students on the other side of the world in an educational kind of project? So what we came up with was we took a 40-foot shipping container, we turned it into a mobile computer lab, and we actually shipped it to Tanzania, Africa. So what was unbelievable about this project, it was me and 10 students. There was no plan at the beginning of the semester. Mm -hmm. And 
I'll tell you, man, if I can say God showed up in a transformative way, <laughs> if you want to talk about a teacher sitting in class, we're around in a circle, a teacher would never do this. My phone rings. I pick up the phone. All the kids are waiting in anticipation to hear what I have to say. And I say, hey, guess what, guys? We just got another $10,000. We raised $50,000 in about six weeks. We designed and built it in one semester. Now, the flip side of the story is it actually took five or six months to ship it to Tanzania, Mm -hmm. Africa. There's so much corruption in Africa. Um, But I'll tell you, when I still run into those students today, that's all we talk about. It, it was a huge win, and it was unbelievable. That's amazing, Matt. Yeah, that is that is amazing. I, I when I hear that story, there's I, I think right off the bat, there's there's obstacles. You're me- ne- mentioning some of just the real world obstacles, but are there other parts of schooling that get in the way of your ability to meet these ideals, these these ideas for yourself? This, you know, life changing, transforming projects. What? What are some things that get in your way? Well, absolutely. Like, um, first of all, when you kind of take on projects like that, I remember actually um, the year before we had done a pretty, pretty substantial project. And I remember standing there looking at it and there was a person beside me talking and it was a pretty stunning project. Um, We had done a feature wall for a local business. It was um, 30 feet long and about 10 feet high. It actually, it it had been nominated for a Rosen Award, which was pretty special. And um, what it was, it was a cross-disciplinary project where we mixed electrical and design and, and they met with the client and it was quite stunning. But I remember standing there and the person beside me said, wow, that's beautiful. I guess you'll never top that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, people think really small. And in that moment, I remember saying, I absolutely will. Mm -hmm. And if you had seen the impact that had on those students, and then the mobile classroom project was even that much more substantial. The first thing is people think small. And some people don't want students to succeed at something like this. The second thing is teachers, if they want to perform at a high level, there are so many things that stand in the way of that. Simple things like coaching, trips, uh, fixing stuff around the school, all these different aspects of of what it means to be in a faith-based school where you're torn in many different directions. And then the big one, and I'm excited about this year's project because I think we're going to address a bunch of these concerns is the framework is just not set up in education. So imagine if you had approached one of your teachers and said, hey, I want you to do a high-impact project. You need to do the marketing, raise $50,000, set up the logistics, set up all the material, facilitate the students, and on and on and on. Very few teachers would sign up for something like that, even if Mm -hmm. they knew the payoff was 10 students will never be the same. And so if we can address those two things, and I'm hoping we talk about this with our project this year, I think we're going to have something that's really unbelievable. Uh, I just care, like, do you have some ideas around that? Uh, like, uh, uh, yeah, t- to solve those or yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if we want to jump ahead, I can talk, I'll actually save, I'll save what I'm really excited about for the end, but I'll give you the framework of how we can address some of those issues. <clears throat> Imagine a high-impact project 
that incorporates multiple disciplines within the school, science, math, English, um, geography, social studies. Um, and it's one big project. And on top of that, um, it's documented, it's used for marketing in the school, and it's showing the transformative power it has within a community. So how we, how we tackle some of these issues is by splitting up and getting more people on board for one project. We can accomplish more together than we can just in one class. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're really hoping to do for our big project uh, next year. Um, it's just in its infancy and I, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it takes off, but we can chat about that soon. Cool, awesome. Uh, you were hinting at some of this already. Um, but do you think for your students or even for us as teachers, um, are there other competing stories that we're facing? Uh, you've, you've mentioned hurdles, especially around, you know, the logistics and, and the, the financing, et cetera. But are there other competing stories that we're facing in education that you think of? Yeah, well, I think the main well, something I've really been considering a lot is I hope um, – listeners get a flair for my passion of creativity, innovation, and excellence. I hope that's really clear. I feel like in Christian education at times, we mimic other um, education um, systems, and we don't take the forefront of being leaders. And I think that comes down to really thinking about what we've been called to do. I think about it this way. We have the God of the universe. The God of the universe is on our side. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be mentors to our students, to transform their lives. Yet we keep following these traditional um, approaches to our subjects and we don't take risks. What are we called to do? Mm -hmm. We're called to live outside the norm to pursue excellence and quality. And I think when we start twisting it that way, changing it that way and thinking that's what education is, it's us being the best person that God's designed us to be, to be living within our giftings. When we think about it like that, I just, I can't see how, stu how, how, Schools can't get on board with being progressive on a level that we've just never seen before. Well, I love your passion. And when I listen to you, I'm thinking if I had $50,000, I'm giving it to Matt Rock. So just right put Matt out there, first of all. I'm not saying I have 50 grand, but I'm saying <laughs> this sort of passion, like, yes, people give money if you're saving students or you're changing students' lives. And I definitely hear in your in your passion, this desire to change students' lives. So I love it. Obviously, this thinking has changed you. Can you talk a little bit about your own, um, how either God is working in your life as well as an educator, as well as, you know, that intersection of faith and practice? Is there something there that you could share with us that could be invitational for those that are hearing you excited about it, but also the, a level of trepidation, I think at the, at the big risks that you're suggesting. Can you, can you just spend some time with, with in that space? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I can honestly say when we took on the mobile classroom project and I'll talk about like how my faith has grown because of that, I just kind of like 
jumped out there and went with it. But maybe it was complete foolishness. I really didn't realize how difficult it would be. But when God shows up week after week with another $10,000, and when I come into the classroom and students are arguing amongst themselves, which is usually a bad sign, and then you realize they're arguing because they're like, hey, you get me the electrical design and I'll get you the floor plan. And you're like, whoa, they're actually into this thing, man. When you see that, your faith just explodes. And I'm actually ashamed to say through COVID, like thinking about this next project that we're about to do, about to embark on, that I even have any doubts. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost it's almost embarrassing to think I was part of that yet I still have doubts that God mm-hmm. won't show up and provide like what come on mm-hmm. and so for me that's that's really um, growing my faith something I've been I've been working on in my own life and I'm inviting students into is this idea of pursuing a life of craftsmanship. So when I think about this, I don't know, maybe it's easier to think about what's not craftsmanship. And I often think about this. Have you guys ever had the like Rogers cable guy in your neighborhood and he's <laughs> hooking up somebody's cable and you come out and he's like, what? Like he, he put it on the fence. It's on the phone and it's like hanging across. Nobody ever says, boy, that guy's a craftsman. <laughs> like it just doesn't happen. <laughs> when we think about a craftsman, when we think about a craftsman's life, I've kind of boiled it down to this, and this is something I've been working on. It's the discipline of the small things in your life that make up the sum of who you are. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that from a teaching perspective, boy, I would love it if my students left the classroom pursuing a life of craftsmanship, Mm -hmm. that they would say, I am going to pursue excellence in relationship, in my spiritual life, in who I am around my friends and family. I'm going to pursue quality in my work. That's what I really hope for them. That's something I'm working on. I have certainly not arrived. That pursuit of craftsmanship in every area of my life. And so that's that's something that I hope my students just get a little glimmer of that when they're in my classroom. Hmm. Matt, what strikes me is, um, well, first of all, let's just, let's, let's try and restate that amazing uh, description of craftsman, the the discipline of the small things that turns into the sum of our lives. I don't think I'm quoting it exactly right, but I just mm-hmm. want to really shout out or highlight mm-hmm. that that's a really powerful, clear definition for the relationship, even not only of craftsmanship, or maybe it's like character as craftsmanship. You know what I mean? The intersection of character and craftsmanship, which I think is amazing. Um, Matt, what, what I love about... Um, the way you talk about your own approach to craftsmanship and discipline is just the joy and the courage that uh, maybe I mean to really highlight the joy, right? So you're, you've got kind of your entrance on Friday mornings, full of joy, full of excitement, but it's pretty obvious that almost every day is a Friday at London Christian high in the maker studio, that there's this, just this sense of high, high expectation, high support and high fun, you know, high joy. So I just, that's uh, so obvious in, in the way you talk about your work and, and your own passion. So you've been holding back this ideal learning experience. Uh, let, give it to us. What, what is it that you want to describe to us in terms of what you're planning? We, we want to hear it. Okay, so this one's just on the runway. It's like <laughs> hot off the presses, man. And I got to give a shout out. This, um, you know, 
often when it comes to creative ideas, I'm a bit of the driver on it. And this one is not me. This is a shout out to a colleague of mine, Laura Miedema, who came to me and said, Matt, I have an awesome idea I want to pursue. And um, so I'm going to jump on board with this one. And it makes me excited on, on two levels. First of all, the project's really cool. But secondly, the framework, which I talked about earlier, of more than one teacher coming on board, a collective effort on one project with our community, with industry experts that are going to mentor our students. And also, we're thinking about documenting this one, doing a documentary style on it, to help encourage other Christian schools to see that they can perform at this type of level. That makes me so jazzed up, man. Mm. So here it is. Laura Miedema is a geography and social studies teacher, and she's pretty passionate about Indigenous communities. She's recognized that they face some pretty big challenges, and one of those challenges is to have fresh food at an affordable cost. So what we're considering doing, we're going back to the shipping container. People say, oh, I'm a shipping container project guy, which might be true. But we're thinking about taking a 40-foot shipping container and turning it into a mobile greenhouse. We're calling it the Northern Green Project. And it will be um, it will have uh, lights inside and be able to be run um, most of the year around. And we'll ship it to an indigenous community in northern Canada somewhere. And so this is super cool because science can jump on board with um, all the growing uh, that's going to happen. Um, we can have the design block do the design of it as well as um, do a little bit of the promotions. We're going to have the marketing and promotion or business class do a lot of the fundraising. So that'll take a bit of the pressure off. Uh, we also have the art department doing the graphics as well. And so this one is literally just a conversation. And so you guys are the first ones to hear about this. Most <laughs> most of the, my colleagues don't even know about this. Okay, they don't even know they're part of this. <laughs> and so, hey guys, won't this be cool if in a year's time, myself or somebody else is sitting on this podcast and they're like, hey guys, I want to tell you about an unbelievable experience that changed a school. That we took a risk, we didn't know if we could do it or, or if we had the finances to do it, and we did something that other types of education could just whisper about. Mm. And so I'm pretty pumped up about that. I'm so excited that that Laura came forward with this vision, and uh, we'll see what happens. Mm. It's It's just little more than a conversation at this point. Another cool one that we have, which isn't quite as cool, we have a 1970s Airstream. I don't know if you guys know what an Airstream mm -hmm. is, but it looks like a silver Twinkie. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're looking for a community partner in the London area to do something like um, a soup kitchen or perhaps something that we could um, drive around London and hand out clothes in. Or we might even use it at the school as some type of um, community space as well. So that's mm. a second kind of high impact project that we're thinking. So we're kind of in the neighborhood of two for next year, which is pretty exciting. Matt, that is uh, those are big, big, big projects. Uh, I love the vision. I love the dream. Um, what I'm wondering, and this is, this is like our first podcast, breaking podcast, right? Breaking news podcast, I think. Absolutely. Um, um, what I'm wondering, Matt, is, is if I'm wondering how our podcast could come alongside you and, and you're talking about maybe in a year or someone, but I'm wondering if 
there's a space for us to just even use our maybe our Twitter account, our social media to journal um, maybe that process a little bit. If we could um, come alongside in that in that end and say, hey, you know, a month in, this is what this might look like. Two months in, this might look like. We can refer back to to this episode. So I don't know if that's something that maybe if you're documenting or if there's pictures being taken, if the, if maybe we could uh, jump in on that that journey as well. Is that something maybe that could work? Absolutely. That'd be amazing. I, I, I think that, you know, right now, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking about this as a London thing, right? A London Christian High thing. But it's a bigger story than that. It's it's the small Christian schools all across Canada. This is a huge win for all of them. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, if we can get two or three schools working at on projects of this level, it's unbelievable. It's transformative. It's exactly what we need in education. Um, so that would be that would be amazing if we could do something like that. Absolutely. What I get excited about this possibility is the potential for relationship. Uh, as you think about what community are you serving and what their needs are, and the possibility of a reciprocal nature that is inherent in in learning like this as well. So I just get excited about that potential. Um, and I'm jazzed. I'm excited. I look forward to to hearing how the story develops. Before we sort of close up this session, is there anything else you know you didn't say or that you wanted to talk about? Like you've you've given us a lot here. Um, is there anything else that's on your heart that you're like? I really I wish I had the opportunity to share this. Yeah, I I guess this is kind of like this is a call out to all my colleagues. Um, and, and I'm not just talking at my school. I'm talking all, all the Christian school teachers that are out there. You're working hard. Um, you, you often see little glimmers of your fruit um, here and there, the seeds that you've planted. But it can be discouraging at times. Mm. So I just want to like, I just want to encourage them to keep going. And I'd love for them to commit to this, to say, one time in my career, I'm going to step out in faith and do one high-impact project. And I promise you, I promise you right here and now, if you do that, you will never be the same. Your students will never be the same. Your school will never be the same. So I want to really challenge them to step out on that. Um, it doesn't have to be you know, at that level. But certainly, if, if you're in school because you love students, that you want to see them transformed, if you want your school to grow, I would challenge people to try this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's probably something that's really been on my heart. And I, I certainly want to just say our school isn't there. Um, I speak with a lot of passion. And we still have, you know, high-impact projects where I'll never forget the last day of the mobile classroom project, the kids ditched and went and did slip and slides out on the (laughs) soccer field. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) So you hear something like this and you're like, man, I could never do that. I'll tell you, man, if I can do it, you can do it. And Mm -hmm. that sounds cliche, but you absolutely can. Um, But it does require a little bit of foolhardy kind of stepping out on faith to do it and coming up with a big vision. And, um, you know, I, another thing I've been thinking about is we talk a lot about in education, it's okay to fail. Um, and it is okay to fail. But if you approach something like this and say, 
failing is not an option, that God will come through, I guarantee he will. And so that's really what's been on my heart lately. And uh, that's what I'd love to just encourage all the teachers out there working hard with. Step out just one time. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your story. But I think most of all, your passion. Um, I I think of a teacher that maybe takes on this and uh, they might need a, a friend like Matt to just every once in a while say, hey, keep going, uh, keep going. Um, so thank you. Uh, we're going to transition to something we call our celebration of learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our Celebration of Learners. It is populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and then have been forced to listen to us read off some nice things about themselves from someone they work with. And today, that someone is Tim Bentham. He wrote a letter. He's the principal at London Christian High School, and he wrote a letter of celebration for you, Matt. So, Justin, I think you have it today. I do indeed. Matt, from Tim. Matt has been a fixture in the shop at London Christian High for over a decade now. He is a tremendously creative guy, always looking for new ways to push the boundaries of what students can accomplish in a high school shop context. Matt has been a leader at London Christian High in our ongoing development of project-based learning as a core pedagogy at our school. From a Christian perspective, Matt strongly sees the connections between projects that have a real meaning and a real purpose as connected to our calling as Christians to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly in our local and global communities. Congrats, Matt, on this feature in the illustrious Every Square Centimeter podcast. Your work in the LCH shop is certainly worth celebrating. Those are awesome words um, from a guy that I really respect. And um, Tim, so thankful for you. Uh, Tim's moving on from our school this year, and it's because of his leadership and his vision and his willingness to let his teachers try new things that we've been able to accomplish what we have. So, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, You've been such a blessing. Matt, uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Yep, you can reach me at email at mrock at lchonline.ca. Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. We'd love feedback. We'd love for you to tell us about an educator we should celebrate. And I should shout out uh, Gabriella. Uh, what's the role for Gabriella at your school? Am I saying Gabriella's name right? Yep, that's Gabriella Hoekstra. Uh, She is our new principal this year. She was our VP and an absolutely amazing person. We're super excited. She's on board. And uh, so, yeah, feel free to reach out to to her. She's she's an awesome connection, awesome blessing for our school. Well, and I'm shouting her out especially because she actually was the one that wrote into us to say, hey, uh, here's a few people that uh, we think would be great on the podcast, and your name was one of those. So I thank... Uh, Gabriella, for emailing in to us and letting us know. We'd love to hear other people's recommendations. If uh, Also, uh, we'd love for you to continue to rate, review, and subscribe. We are now up to nine uh, reviewers Ooh. on Apple Podcasts. I know. And I just saw that we have a second reviewer, and the person's not Gail M. So maybe Gail <laughs> logged wow. in with a different email, but uh, pretty exciting stuff here. We'll 
talk more about that at our camp upcoming campsite episode. Darren, before uh, you send us off with a blessing, uh, we should thank Matt for hosting our herd. Um, does anyone know what animal group forms a herd? And and I know it's almost too general. You guys were mentioning earlier. It's like, so you're, it's just going to have to be a local animal that you might refer to as a herd. Justin, what do you got? I'm going, I, I'm going London, Ontario, Holstein cows. Okay. A herd of Holsteins. Matt, what do you think? I'm also going London, Ontario, coyotes, real problem. Okay. Uh, Darren? I'm going deer, but this, just for the record, is why I hate traditional sort of multiple choice type questions, because you law about a general question, and then it's got to be all of the above, none of the above. That's what I'm sensing here, but I'm just going deer. <laughs> this is a but short I'm under answer. protest. I'm going under protest, just for the record. <laughs> this is short answer, Darren, not multiple choice. Maybe I should make it a multiple <laughs> choice. Uh, so it is rabbits. Okay, London uh, apparently has has a, has some rabbits issues as well. And I'm just going to read you a few little uh, bits of information. So a nest of younger rabbits, this is for you to know if you're linden, living in London, should be left alone, okay? If there's any chance that that mother might return, more mother rabbits return to the de- nest site at dusk and dawn to feed young. Therefore, you may never actually see the mother at the nest site. So in order to determine whether a mother rabbit is still in the area and providing care, there's a couple things you could do. Does anyone want to take a guess at how you could maybe predict or figure out if a mother's going to return? Give me a random guess as to what maybe you think you could do to make sure without hurting, the, without disturbing babies, right? Any guesses? Put down some flour and then see if the rabbit runs through the flour close to the opening of the warren. Okay. Listen, like this guy didn't get the uh, animal, but let's listen here. So one thing you could do is is uh, take two pieces of string, make an X pattern. If the string has been shifted out of place during the next 24 hours, you'll know the mother's return. Another way is to lay down some flour around the nest site and check for footprints of the adult rabbit. Very impressive, Darren. You continued your (laughs) string of animal expertise. Um, Now, I'd like to tell you that you may see small rabbits hopping around and think they're too young to be out in the world on their own, but... If a rabbit is covered with fur and is approximately four and a half to five inches in length, so get out that measuring tape, it's independent from its mother. You'll you'll be interested to know that cottontails are weaned and leave the nest when they're only 21 to 28 years old. And so here's my question for you. After 28 days, these, these guys are weaned off. What do you still need from your parents or in-laws after however many years of life for you? Darren, what do you got? What are you still leaning on? From your parents or grand or in-laws? I'm gonna say something I appreciate that I still benefit from rather than weaned, because <laughs> I love that every time I go out for dinner with my dad, even if we invite him, there's no way he's letting anybody else pay. He's a very generous man, mm. and part of his thing is he wants to pay for dinner. And I just I just love that. So I'm kind of counting on, I'm not sure what I'd do if dad, like it would be a weird thing. So I still count on that for my parents when we go up for dinner. Excellent. Matt, what do you got? 
I'm going to have to go with my in-laws on this one. And if it wasn't for them, my kids would be at school sick an awful lot. So thank you, Mm. Doug and Joyce, for being our emergency ambulance on many, many occasions. Shout out, Doug and Joyce. Uh, Justin. Yeah, parents and in-laws are amazing for that, for sure. I think about my wife's mother who's passed on, but she used to come to the tent when the kids cried when we were camping at 6 a.m. in the morning. And it was like the only time we had a glorious sleep in is when we Mm. were camping. So, But I also had my dad as an English teacher, a prof at Redeemer University for many courses. And just recently I had him edit a major paper that I was working on. Um, So I still Mm. need my dad's editorial Mm. expertise as my English prof and as my amazing dad. Yeah. And anything to do with any type of fixing anything. Uh, If I was making a canoe, uh, it would be my dad making the canoe and I'd be, you know, (laughs) maybe standing on the side, bringing him tools, but uh, any types of mechanics, I'm calling my dad up and asking him, dad, what do I do with this? So shout out to all the, the parents out there that we, you know, Darren doesn't like to use the the word weaned off, but we're still being weaned off our you know parents in law. So thank you for them, Darren. Give us a blessing uh, to send us off, please. Yes. Uh, before I do, um, I just want to go back to the quote that Matt said: "It's the discipline of small things that make you who you are." And that's one of the reasons we do walk through different liturgies. Um, so thank you, Matt, for that. And readers, guests, Matt. Um, Hear this blessing. May our hearts be flooded with assurance of God's mercy. May knowledge of God hold us fast through the deep and steady currents of life. May the darkness be illuminated, and may every life and every shadow be uncovered by the power of God's love. May God send joy to the pleading of the faithful, and may tears be replaced with the strength to live with a posture of relentless trust. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.